Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. Aaron Smith, how are we? What up, what up? You know what, Aaron? What up, what up is the win total going up and up for the basketball program. Young John Brandon. Well, b- before Dominic. we get to that, you know what else went up? What's up, up? Dollars. Dollars. That were donated to this community. Oh, I don't know. How on you, the pedestal, Aaron. I'm just saying, like, we have to bring it up. Like, it was a big deal this weekend. We get to talk about it before Chad gets on his BCJ podcast to talk about it. So I did want to, and I'm sure they talked about it on the skinny pod anyway, but uh did want to recognize it here that it was just what ended up being, I think, what, $35,000 roughly? Yeah, 33 total. 33. Yeah. Um, I, I was just going to say the only thing I didn't like was that somebody I saw on Twitter went out and did a dollar per alumni average to try and say that Xavier won, even though they didn't have the dollar amount because, you know, just stat skewing the way that Xavier is one to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Like the amount of final fours and amount of, you know, BCS bowls and things of that sort. Yeah. Well, if you only go back 20 years, we have more wins than anyone ever. Blah. Yeah. That's a, that's a different podcast for a different story. But like you said, Hey, we got to bring up the good, and that is by far the best. Uh, obviously, we're going to dive into basketball, but when you have something like that, just cool to see both, community. Really cool to see both sides come together and raise that kind of money for the community. It's just outstanding job by by Chad and and company, really. Uh, you Thank know, you. It's, yes. Congratulations, Chad. That was awesome. But, you know, it's it's this thing that can bring together the two, like you said. I, I even think if – if you were to ask Yancey Gates and Kenny Freeze to come together and, and, and hug each other to to raise ten thousand dollars to the exact same cause, I bet they'd do it. It's causes like that that brings these two hated communities together, and it's awesome. So yeah, great way to start it off. I agree. Think you could have gotten Mick and JP together to do? <laughs> I'd say yes. One hug. Just I, one I, hug. I I got it. I finally got a response today. I tried to get Danny Hurley in after the game on Saturday, but he said he, he lost his phone in Cincinnati. Oh, gosh. So he didn't see it until today, so he couldn't get in. But that would have been hilarious Yeah, if Danny would have, would have donated on his way back to Connecticut Saturday. That would have been too funny. I agree. Uh, would have been awesome. Put a little. I tried. I heard there's this thing is going on. I want to decide on decide not two wins in one weekend. That would have been awesome, but he lost his phone. Yeah, it happens. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Left mine in an in an Uber a couple weeks ago, so happens to the best of us. Uh, but <laughs> the other thing going up and up, as we mentioned, were two wins. That makes it not one. Not two, not three, Aaron, but four wins in a row. Are you up to my level of optimism quite yet? Are you joining me in the land of sunshine and flowers? After the last two games, I will say they look like they're playing a different brand of basketball than they had really the entire rest of the season. It's good to see some of these guys bouncing back uh, and, and playing to the level that we expect them to play as I'm sure we're going to break all that down. So I didn't want to drop any spoilers here in my, my opening statement. You do have plenty of spoilers packed in. I, I, I know that for a fact. Let's, let's of course touch on the first game of last week and, 
And of course, got to mention the the original game against Memphis postponed. That was a, a very close to the game time postponement as there were some complications in the Memphis program. So as we've seen numerous times all around the country, teams act fast when this sort of thing happens. And before you know it, Temple is coming into town on Friday night. Aaron, your just immediate reactions of how quick things unraveled to bring the Owls into the third arena on Friday. And then, of course, the second game in eight days against the fighting Aaron McKees. <laughs> so I, I, before I even get into any of the game breakdown, I think when you see games that are scheduled within, what, I think 48 hours, I think it was literally just two days before yeah. uh, they actually had Temple talks to, here's our, like, we're going to have a game to when the game was actually played. I think we need to be done with these like four year, five year out schedules. Like by the time teams are playing, especially in football, by the time teams are actually playing, the teams that they thought they were going to be playing, they're just sometimes not good anymore. I think we need to be done with these crazy outlandish years out schedules. Just schedule a one and one next two years, and then move on to the next year. Like just anyway, that's my little soapbox on that. But to, <laughs> to see what the Bearcats did against Temple um, and to kind of follow that up with what the Bearcats did against UCF, the name I want to bring up is Chris Vote. Okay. And welcome back, Chris Vogt. Okay. Okay. Finally, he looks he looks like he's actually – and I think his turning point was probably roughly about five games ago um, where it, I think there was like a dunk or something that happened, and it was just like something went off in Chris Vogt, and you've seen it build up, and you've seen it build up. And I think Temple was was kind of his, his – I'm back. And I think he had, what, a, a six blocks in a game, which yeah. was crazy for even Chris Vogt. Um, I mean, shouldn't be because he's what seven two, seven one out there, and mm-hmm. usually a, a tree in the forest of of the rest of the the smaller people out there. But uh, no, it's good to see him back. He's playing with some confidence. He's playing on both ends of the floor, which is not something that we've seen really at all on either side of the floor. So to see him doing it on the defensive end with the blocks, the rebounds, um, kind of just having his presence being felt there. And to be doing it even, I mean, he had a floater that I think was the farthest out that anyone's ever seen Chris Vogt shoot the ball. And he even he laughed about it after, or he had like a, a smirk afterwards. Like he knew he shouldn't have made that shot, or at least old Chris Vogt wasn't making that shot. But again, he's playing with the confidence. And I feel like he's kind of playing in the zone that it's good to see Chris Vogt just finally get his legs under him this season. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, we've both been on record kind of where his foot speed is not up to par of what you would want, kind of like a a rim chasing big. But I think what he's doing is he's realizing the type of post player that he is, and he's deciding he's going to maximize that. He's, he's amped up his aggressiveness. He's amped up his, his intensity. And as you mentioned, it's really defense that he's kind of been the calling card too. And I think, yes, the six blocks, obviously a bit of a block party, but you talk about how many other shots he alters and how just like that big man in the post and in the paint just kind of just deters you from wanting to, to drive into that and forces you some outside shots and kind of working the ball around the perimeter to take the shot clock down. So yeah, Chris Vogt definitely looks like a player that's playing with urgency player that's playing with confidence and, and way more aggressive, uh, you know, and you kind of start, you're starting to see that with a lot of different players on the team. I, I mean, we got to talk about Jeremiah Davenport in this game. You know, you talked about Jeremiah Davenport weeks ago, months ago, talking about how 
is it, is it time to start talking about him as one of the best players on the team? And kudos to you, Aaron. You should have you should have tweeted that out and said, look what I said back here on December 5th or whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, you look at his coast to coast laying and one off a rebound. That was a fantastic play. Takes a special player to not only have the wherewithal, but but the confidence to really take that and go coast coast see an opening and lay it in. I, I mean, you saw a couple times he fed the post to Chris Vote. He was really excited of being able to get a touch for the big man. But Jeremiah Davenport's play, and you saw that little run that he had in the second half to to kind of propel the Bearcats to the victory and and kind of build a cushioned lead. I mean, he's really developing in front of everyone's eyes, and he's he's going to be a player that by the end of his senior year, I mean, the stats might not completely be there because he's not a crazy scorer, but he's going to be one of the more beloved Bearcats if he keeps up the trend that he's doing. Well, and it has to be pointed out, I feel kind of like this is a Tom Brenneman point out, but I mean, he's from the city. He represents the right. city, so there's an right. undying love in him for the city. Um, beyond that, though, I mean, against Temple – Dude was five of 12 from the field, two of seven from three, eight rebounds, six assists, 12 points, only two fouls. He's doing everything. And I think uh, in turnovers have been at a minimal for him with as many times as he's touched the ball. I don't think he's turned the ball really over more than maybe once. in a like, uh, I don't, he's never had two turnovers in a game. I don't believe. No, I, uh, so I mean, hit, then it's a few and far between it's He's just, he's playing very well. I'll go on record right now and say that as long as it is a catch and shoot three, there's nobody on this team that I trust more shooting a three than Jared, Jeremiah Davenport. Wow. Okay. Uh, and you know what, as of right now, he's, he's the one that has the confidence to shoot it right when he does catch it, if he has any space open. So, you know, he knocked down a couple of big ones that really helped for the win. We do need to touch on the return of Zach Harvey and the return of Mamadou Diara. I mean, Harvey in that first half was just a breath of fresh air. You know, I said it was extremely refreshing seeing Zach Harvey play basketball because I, it just some feels like he has that flow. He has that the, – the basketball IQ is at a different level when he's on the court. Uh, you know, obviously the second game of the week, not, not as special as what he had against Temple, but the return to Zach Harvey, you still see those glimpses of, of that untapped potential that the Bearcats are trying to find. And you still see that rainbow three of his that has yes. more arc than anyone else on this team. It's wild to me that it, I feel like there's roughly a 20 foot difference between the hoop and the apex of the shot. It's absolutely crazy, but uh, no, it's, it's, and you know, as good as he was in his return against temple, I feel like you kind of saw spurts of that at best against UCF. Cause you know, what he did against UCF was, was not his best showing. Yeah, yeah, but it, which which comes to expected. He's still a sophomore, literally his second game back from this right. long layoff, you know. And and it's it's seems like a matter of time until he just continues to settle into a role where it seems like a lot of the other players on the team are finding their roles. And and one of them we got to touch on right away is Micah Adams Woods, who is was named on the honorable mention for the conference this past week, averaging around twelve points per game, just kind of doing his role to the extreme. I mean, we were down on Micah earlier. I, 100% to quote uh, KJ from the game against UCF. I know. I, did you watch? 100%. Yeah. Everything was 100%. So I, I, I knew I was going to have to try and sneak that in there somewhere. There you go. But uh, Mike Adams Woods, he loves the corner three. Yeah. And, 
you know, as much as I want to say that Davenport's the guy that as long as it's a catch and shoot, I want Davenport to be the guy shooting that three. But Micah Adams-Woods is coming along quite well behind the arc as well. Uh, and, you know, I was I was down on him real bad. I, I can't remember who the team was. I know there was a, a breakaway dunk where I'm like, what are you doing out on the floor right now? Like you, you're just about state game. Yeah. You're, you're really offering nothing. You're giving up on plays. And I feel like, again, you know, since that point, that's kind of where a switch went off and it was like, all right, I'm going to see what I can do to get back on the floor. I know some people are kind of clamoring for where Mike Adams Woods to crack the rotation again and take Mikey Saunders spot. Cause I have not seen Mikey Saunders confident with the ball in his hands really at all much over this, this last few games. Uh, out, it's certainly not shooting. Um, so maybe, maybe bringing the ball up court or something, but, um, no, and it's even good to still see, uh, some, see Banksy still getting some minutes. <laughs> Your boy, call me Banksy. I am Banksy. <laughs> what if I am Banksy? Uh, but you know, yeah. So, so the thing about Micah was you wanted to see him take the next step in his progression and that's just being more aggressive, but you don't want him kind of doing things that are outside of what he's capable of. I, I didn't simply love him driving into the trees. He's, he doesn't have that. He's, he's become a good finisher, especially on a fast break. He's able to use his, his size and kind of, you know, get to the rim and lay it in. But last year he was so good at defense first and then second off knocking down open threes when given a shot. So this year, recently he's been doing that again and he's been amping up the aggressiveness and and being one of the couple main players to look for in a game situations when it comes to shooting free throws and so i think if micah continues to just hone in on this just get, maximize the role step up the aggressiveness when it's there i mean if, if he can he's named honorable mention all aac look last week david julius after a you know career high in points was named onto that same honor roll for the AAC. So just a great, great job by Micah. He's, he was critical in these two wins, knocking down the open threes that he had because, I mean, how close these games were, one or two of those missed, or, or maybe he's a little hesitant shooting them, the score could have been a lot different. And, Aaron, we talk about free throw shooting. Got to bring up young Mason Matson. I call him the irritant, the irritant out there. And you see it with his little <laughs> smirks that he gives the opposing team. At, at the end of late game situations, and he's on the court at the end of these games, Aaron. It's it's crazy to see the progression that the freshman has had. Well, I keep going back to the fact that Gabe was the guy that some people were saying that we took Mason to get Gabe. And here Mason is making quite a name for himself and doing it without his brother even on campus. So it's been quite a thing to see in the maturation of him coming off the injury early on in the season and now finally getting some minutes, uh, you know, even shooting threes, like he, he looks confident with the ball in his hand, his free throws. I want to point out it's, it is a, an or an unorthodox free throw shot in just that he gets the ball and shoots. There is really no, like, I'm not going to sit here and think about it. No, like Carl Malone got to say my quick prayer before I shoot the ball or anything like that. It is just catch and shoot. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see him with the ball in his hands and especially in some of those free throw situations and knocking him down when we need him. He, he had a crazy stat his senior year of high school. I, I don't know the exact, it was like he made 92 of 95 free throws throughout the season, something crazy like that. So, and, and John Brandon mentioned it in the post game saying that 
yeah, you know, when when he was heading to the free throw line, I, I trusted Mason because he never misses the free throw in practice. So uh, kind of that confidence in the freshman is something that you like to see. And, and two great plays that he made. One was a drive where he kind of kind of brought in the defense and then dished it off to Chris Boat for a dunk. And then the second one was was a, a pass that was a little high. He crowded in, drove past his man, and then went into the body and got an and one. So Mason Matson just evolving in front of our eyes. And Aaron, I got to bring up this one play. Keith Williams went up to try and tip dunk. And the announcers say it was a pass. There is no way that was a pass. If you look at <laughs> my, my Twitter, I tweeted it. He is looking to cock that thing back and hammer slam at home. He didn't get the opportunity to, but that would have been one of the uh, one of the best putbacks since Melvin Levin. helicopter, possibly right. Melvin yeah. Levin. Yeah, would have been amazing. I, I I'm with you. I, I think uh, I don't think that was a pass. I think he was trying to make the the forever Cincinnati st- uh, highlight reel. Even better than the Sports Center top ten. And and I mean, gosh, were you where were you when Gary Clark had that dunk against Memphis? The, um, the the fast break alley. I that was at home, yeah. Yes. Then I was in attendance. So was I. It was it was after the first half. I I brought a friend of the game. I drive from from Indianapolis every time to these games, and I am and my friend is saying, "Hey, let's let's go get some refreshments during halftime." And I'm waiting for him to get out of the bathroom, and then I I hear everyone just erupt. I missed the Gary Clark dunk. Oops. I was, I've never been more angry in my life. (laughs) He was, he was not the biggest Bearcat fan. He was just excited to come with on the journey. And it was a, uh, it was one thing that I will always look back on very sad in my life is that I missed that live in person, but I watched the replay and pretend that I was there and I got very anxious, just very loud in the crowd, but that would have been another similar situation with Keith, but he did not slam at home. In the end, Bearcats win, and then a quick turnaround to UCF. Well, Aaron, what were your thoughts heading into that game? So you 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 bring up Keith, and you're talking about Keith not making the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. What about Keith not being able to drive to the hole? Because any it doesn't matter if you're in the arc. It doesn't matter like the the circle underneath. It it just doesn't matter. Everything is a charge against poor Keith Williams, and. I, I just feel like it's a combination of the fact that the refs think that Keith Williams fouls often, so they're prepared to blow the whistle on Keith Williams often. So it's it's just more of the same because that's the reputation he's established for himself this year. But I also think it's you know, some of some of it's justified. Don't get me wrong; he he does make some bonehead plays. But what are we going to do about this charging stuff? Because it slows down the game. I think it's awful. I miss I, I was tweeting about this during the game. I miss post play. I miss dunks. And I feel like when you have as many charge calls as you're calling, people aren't going to the cup the way that they they used to go. So because you don't have the physical game, you're forcing people to if, if you're gonna take a mid-range, why even waste your time on a mid-range? Because it's not a high percentage shot. Go a couple steps back and step behind the arc, but then you be, become a game of threes. So I'm tired of watching threes. I miss post play and I just want to see people dunk and be able to drive. And I feel like when you're calling charge, you know, so many times down the floor, it just slows down everything. 
Yeah, Aaron, you are preaching to the choir. I, so I raise a question to you. Who had a more unfair whistle, Keith Williams this year or Jaron Cumberland throughout his career? Well, I just – the body of work against Jaron because everyone knew he was a train coming through. Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to stop him. And he, he – much in the same way that Kevin Mitchell, if you remember that name, blast from the past from the Cincinnati Reds, when he would run around second base – I was always nervous that he was just going to keep going right into left field. Like he could not stop <laughs> just big guy gets ahead of steam and you're just worried about him being able to stop Jaron Cumberland, much in the same way. He can't stop. So when he was put his head down, you knew he was going through. So you were kind of almost expecting it. If anybody got in the way that he was going to get hit with the charge with Keith though, there's a whole different level of finesse to his game. And it's not that he can't stop. It's right. the fact that he's not going to stop because he knows he can get to the hoop. So, it's, it's amazing to me how many guys are getting the charge call when their feet are still moving. Cause I thought that was a thing, but apparently that's not a thing of the past. It doesn't matter if your feet are still moving. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get the charge call. It doesn't matter again, if you're underneath the hoop, because we're just going to give you the charge call. All that matters is that your hands are over, you know, the no, no mommy, daddy spot. And you know, it's you're, you're getting to the hoop. You know, so here's the thing. A lot of fans. So college basketball, being a fan of college basketball is, is a it's a treat because the NBA and college basketball are just two completely different sports when it comes to just the the amount of talent and the amount of just understanding of the game of basketball. I, I mean, you look at just just Sunday night, there was a game. It was uh, Drake versus Loyola Chicago, two teams that will more than likely be in the NCAA tournament this year. And. That game was, you know, was heading into overtime and the score was in the 40s. You know, it's it, it is a game that a lot of people say is just like a terrible brand of basketball. Well, all these charge calls is feeding into that. It as you mentioned, it just takes away the flow. It just mm-hmm. it just really puts a halt to anything. I mean, I I remember like way back against USF this year. Bearcats are on that crazy run when Keith, I believe it went like it was like eight in a row or something like that, 10 in a row, maybe. And they fed they fed the ball to the post to Ivanovskis to Rapalus Ivanovskis. Do you remember that name, Aaron? <laughs> fed the ball in the post to Rap, and Rap turned to lay the ball in, and they caught him for an offensive foul. That that led to a TV timeout, and then after that, the Bulls were able to raise their way to a victory. Uh, I had to I had to look him up. I, I'm sorry it took me so long to respond. I had yeah. to look him up. He played for us. He's a professional basketball player. Aaron. That's what that's what I see. It's on his wiki yes. page. Yes. So, you know, it, it just it really takes away flow. It, it is a way to stop completely stop the the chance for a run or or any momentum that a team is building. But, well, yeah, it's something that up, needs to be visited. Well, you bring up the difference between NBA and NCAA rules. How about the James Harden step back like his little uh, his little, <laughs> his little jump back three that he'll, he'll take DeJulius has mastered that move. But he gets right. called. He gets called traveling here in the NCAA, as opposed to that being James Harden's signature move. So, is it traveling? Is it not traveling? It's traveling. I, well, I would agree. Yes. Yes. But how are you not ever going to call that ever against James Harden? But DeJulius has done it. I think probably three or four times. And he's been called every time. Personally, I, I hope he doesn't do it again because it's getting called every time. But I did see a player for. I forget who it was. One of the top teams might've been Baylor and they did the step back and drilled a three. It might've been Oklahoma state. And again, they were playing like Kate Cunningham or something like that. And 
the step back. Definitely a travel, didn't get called. So it, it just shows you how that whistle is still controlled by a human being. So, I, you know, we can go on and on about this. We can, we can have a referees podcast if we want and uh, really harp on all these for, for a full hour if you would like. But I'm, I want no part of that. <laughs> no part now. Now, speaking of, at, US, at UCF earlier in the season, if you remember, Aaron, there were 15 turnovers in the first half. There were three technical fouls called against the Bearcats and just really no flow at all. A little different in the first half this year, this past weekend on Sunday. It was a five o'clock game earlier in the season. Weird yeah. things happened during, or four o'clock, whatever weird time it started. But five weird o'clock somewhere, happen, Aaron. <laughs> weird things happen when you have five o'clock games. It's five o'clock somewhere, Aaron. It really is. I want. But, I, uh, I hope that never happens again. It was a very strange occurrence, but this this time around on Sunday, I tell you what, it was Valentine's Day, and it felt like Cupid was just shooting arrows at all the offensive lovers around the Bearcats and said, "Listen." I'm going to grant you guys 16 minutes of beautiful basketball. And I tell you what, the offense looked like a well-oiled machine for the first 16 minutes. They were scoring at will, scoring in different ways. Defense was on par. And then UCF changed it, changed up their defense and kind of threw the team off. But that first 16 minutes, Aaron, are we thinking that is possibly Brandon Ball? The first 16 minutes, I think, actually gave me the confidence going into the rest of the game, much in the same way that the first half of Temple gave me the same confidence where I was never like on the edge of my seat. I think we're going to lose this game. Like I genuinely never actually felt that way. I don't know if I'm in the majority or the minority of people who felt that way, but I feel like we were actually in full control of the game. Um, I know against UCF, we were never actually behind the entire game. Um, A little bit. Like two minutes. Okay. You know, it's fascinating. What's that? We, we all think the offense was, was near perfect in the first half and pretty rough in the second half. Same amount of points. Was it better? 35 points in the first half, 34 points in the second half. Yeah. Well, because the, the end of the first half was just that bad. Well, it was, it was four minutes. It was, it was right. four scoreless minutes. Right. It wasn't, it, it wasn't that bad. The second half, though, you had that they had one... a bad stretch in the in the middle of the second half as well. You they had did. that one sequence where we missed four threes after all those offensive rebounds, <laughs> all wide and... open. Oof. All, four, four different guys, four wide open looks from three, all misses. Oof. But going back to that first half, though, you you do have to look at it and say, "Wow, this pass well, was crisp." The, the assists were way up in the first half compared. To... Yeah. The difference in the second half is they got to the free throw line. Right, right. They didn't get to the free throw line in the first half because they were making wide open layups and jump shots. Yeah, which, I mean, take take for what you want. I mean, the previous tenure, you, the, the goal was always what more free throws than three point attempts. This more this free more seems- free throws than your opponent. M- more made free throws than your opponent has attempts. Right, exactly. That was this, the goal. This is simply get that flow going. Hit down open shots. I, I I mean, so here's the thing. Once this team learns how to shoot, it might not be this team, but once a team in with a John Brandon run offense has some shooters that are knocked down, I think this team has some. It's just is not consistent. You're seeing a some wide open shots, as you guys mentioned. Four and one possession, all missed. 
you got to be able to knock down some of those. I mean, it's just it, – it is a team that, that cannot nail the shots needed and a team that allows responses because of that. And turnovers. And turnovers, yes. Yes. But not, not as bad as 15 in the first half at UCF, but definitely. They had a stretch at the start of the second half that was brutally bad. Tulane-esque. I, it was every – it felt like every every second or third trip, yeah. if not every trip, for a few minutes. Turnover, turnover, turnover. Force a turnover, get it right back. It was it was ping-pong with turnovers. After the, the 6-0 run to begin the second half. But, no, here's the thing. Though. Oh, by the way, this, yeah. this, is, this is completely off topic, but uh, ping-pong made me think of it. It's probably why it's in my brain. Have you guys ever seen um, Bruce Lee play – Ping pong with nunchucks. Really? It's uncanny. I've never seen anything like it. You guys have watched it. Really? It popped up on my timeline today. Someone was like, every time I watch this, I'm completely mesmerized. Uh, and I had never watched it before. And it was literally like Bruce Lee with a dude, like a professional ping pong player, just with nunchucks. Like, wata, 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 wata. Really? You have, to, you, have, you have to look it up after the show. It is wow. one of the craziest things you've ever seen. Wow. So you're telling me, what was the name of this 30 for 30, the sound of water or the art of water or something like that? Yeah, something like that. This man can play ping pong with nunchucks. Oh, yeah. And like twirling them, doing like spin moves, like spiking the ball, like like legit. And they had a couple different camera angles on the one that I saw to show that it was like legit. Like they were shooting from behind him and you could see like all the, it was wild. It's one of the wildest videos I've ever seen in my life. I'm happy if I can just rally back and forth for like, you know, 10 times. I mean, shit. yeah, no, he That's with good. nunchucks, wow. nunchucks, nunchucks, Impressive. nunchucks. Aaron, Aaron, how's your ping pong game? Not, not good. Not good okay. at all. I think I was actually <laughs> probably better at beer pong than I was at ping pong, Woo! which that could, that should actually come as no surprise to anyone. Right State did breed some good beer poggers, didn't they? Right State, wrong school. <laughs> hey, baby, heard that. Heard that. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. But going back to the game, <laughs> when when things started to amp up and when I tweeted this, it was a close game with about six minutes left. And I said, this is, this is a time when recently, like last three games recently, the Bearcats had made winning plays to pull out victories down the stretch. Mm -hmm. And before that, it was the opposite way. Aaron, there was one player who became a closer and he really performed extremely admirably down the stretch against the Knights. You talking about DDJ? I'm talking about Mr. DDJ, Mr. Swagger himself, Mr. Golly, he does a doggone good post-game presser. Yes, DDJ. So I know a lot of people were down on Brandon, especially after Rap left, after the slow start by DDJ about, you know, who Brandon's bringing in as far as these these transfer guys. Like, what is he doing? And, you know, we had the situation last year and all of that. You know, it's just with, with the Spaniard. So it's 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 not been a, a fantastic track record. But DDJ, you know, getting his legs under him and getting to the level where he's at, showing leadership, showing that, I mean, he looks, he'll, I'm, 
it's when you look at him, it's hard to think that this dude's only a sophomore and not a senior out there. Just the way he plays, the way that he's on the floor with the other guys, he's always hyping other guys up. You know, he's always, you know, it's you can literally see the the leadership is tangible. Like it's it's there. You can see it. It's an aura around him. And it's it's fantastic to see, you know, him start to get his legs under him. The same time that we're also seeing Vote get his legs under him. The same time we're seeing Davenport look like the maybe the biggest leader on this team, at least vocally. Um, you know, and, and Keith is starting to, you know, kind of get the handle on not being the guy and finding it. It's everyone's finally finding their roles. And it's a thing of beauty. And what we were talking about for the first, I don't know, six, seven games is we're not seeing these roles defined. We're not seeing anybody really look like they knew, know what they're doing on the floor. And now I feel like we're actually seeing that. And it's, it's a, you know, it's led to four wins in a row. Yeah. And, and so, so DDJ, the, the only thing I, I, can, I agree completely, but he's just, he is a junior. So sorry, kind of that. just that, that upperclassman type feel to him. He is bringing that, but as you mentioned, he, was not a starter at Michigan. He he came off the bench. Well, he'll he'll you know, still have two years left though after this season. Yes. Um. Yeah. With with the COVID thing. Yeah. It's everyone's given the the right. chance at, at an think, additional year. I think yeah. that's where my head was at. Sorry about. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you look at what DDJ has been able to do is every single time that he drives there at the end of the game. I mean, it looks like he can get that bucket whenever he wants. But he knew at this point he's got the the trust from his coach. He's got the trust from the other players to the point where he can make those plays. He can he can be the one to put the team on his back and close out these games because they needed a closer. I mean, you've seen this with the Bearcats, and you saw it, of course, with you know Jaron Cumberland recently, and then you know Sean Kilpatrick, Keith Keith Williams. That's not really his thing. You know, he's not going to be a one on one break you down. It's been DVJ. And, you know, the fact that he's able to kind of notice that and figure out when to, to pick his times to go at it, that's, that's a sign of a mature player that's really deciding that he's going to take the right steps to win a basketball game. And that's what they've been doing. And in the postgame presser, he said, you know, we kind of just had a, had a coming together and, and we said, hey, we're not playing like, like the name on our jersey says we should. You know, we need to play with that swagger. We need to play with that mentality that we're going to come out we're going to dominate these games and win these basketball games as a whole and it, it really starts with defense as well Aaron I mean the defenses really seem to take that next level step and, and John said it he said their identity is half court defense and you saw that with Chris Vogt against Temple you saw that last week in, in both the Tulane and the Temple game at the end of game situations certain players stepping up in the half court defense I mean, this is a team that that is starting to figure out, yes, the, the opponents haven't been top, top notch. This is not the top of the conference, but these are games that they should win and they are. The way that UCF played us the first time around, though. Right. I mean, that I would not say that UCF isn't at least top notch talent. I mean, the way that uh that Brandon Mahan plays, I'd love to have a Brandon Mahan. Mahan against he, us. He, yeah, he only plays like that against UC. Which I mean, I'd I'd take a CJ Walker though. Like, can you imagine one of those guys yes. running with well, this team? A rim running big would be very, very cool. But here's here's the thing, Aaron. Brandon Mann shot three shots in 32 minutes against South Florida. Three field goal attempts in 32 minutes against South Florida. 
<laughs> and then he and then he comes out and he's nailing like behind the behind the backboard shots from the corner. Perry was out of bounds. That should have been called. He was out of bounds under the hoop. And and it looked like the pass might have hit out of bounds as well, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know. That was just like, you know, and, and I hate to say it. I, I do hate to say it. it. It seems like, and I'm sure every fan base says this, but it just, it truly seems like the Bearcats just have the absolute worst luck. You know, whenever they start to extend a lead, the opposing team hits a shot that like, you know, if that misses, you get a rebound and, and you can kind of put the game away. It always seems like the opponent makes that shot, even if it's highly contested. It's just crazy. It truly Falling out of bounds in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> that, was of, that was literally out of control or or perry's three at the end of the game even though you know it he didn't wasn't, mean anything yeah he didn't care at that point but as and, i mean kudos to keith williams for having the the wherewithal to know like i need to put yeah. my hands behind my back i mean kind of kind of like micah in the game against temple like i'm gonna have at least the just the recognition right now where i can bounce it off his back and end the game without their, six seconds yeah yeah i mean just very good plays at the very end of the game. We finally have seen a team here over the course of the last couple of games here that looks like they know how to close out a game. And this team had no idea how to close out a game early on in the season. Yeah. And, and so based off of what John Brandon said in the presser after the Temple game, he said that it was 23 games since the staff has taken over that have come down to the final minutes, final few possessions. So now 24 with that UCF game. And I, I, that is just fascinating. I, like what is considered a blowout for the Bearcats? Like a, like a six point win <laughs> beating the spread. <laughs> oh man. Don't, I don't want to talk about that. They, I learned my lesson last week. It was, it was great watching, watching them beat Tulane, but I tell you what, man, whew, talk about some bad beats, but anyway, this is a team that's, that's starting to bring it all together. And then the worst thing with a team that's rolling and getting more time on the court and coming together as a whole is another layoff, you know, and this is a built-in buy in a situation where you could have been able to schedule another game this week. And there were two teams, Aaron, that could have easily scheduled a game with the Bearcats this, this week. And that is Wichita State and Houston. Those two teams could have had the chance to make up a game previously that had been postponed against the Bearcats Instead, they move their game up from Thursday of the of next week to this Thursday, which Aaron, then we see a new schedule come out where SMU is playing Wichita State two times, not this week, but next week on that Thursday and then on the weekend. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. The AC is allowing Wichita State to get in as many games as possible and SMU to play against a Wichita State, I believe, this is my thought, to give those two a boost to their resume to try and get a second team into the tournament talks for the end of the year. Here's the problem with that theory. They were already playing next week. No, I know. So you move it up so that Wichita State has that open spot so that they can play SMU now. I, I think it's more that that Thursday game was an ESPN game, and they wanted to to make to to slide for sure Wichita State and Houston, who are one and two, into that spot. Right, but I, it also gives Wichita State a chance at an additional game that next week. And 
and Chad hasn't been quiet about the fact that he thinks that the AAC has been railing against the Bearcats this entire rescheduling portion of the season where we have more away games than everyone as far as the uh, the amount of away games to the ratio of away games to, to home games. Brian Thornton. <laughs> it was it was understated when his name was mentioned when he got the job. But, oh, uh, I, no, it wasn't understated by me. I, I wasn't, though. <laughs> I just meant – I meant like the AEC kind of – They're hiring to, who? <laughs> to run basketball? <laughs> <sighs> I don't – I'm not understated on much. That ain't really my well, thing. What was his record against the Bearcats? Do we know? I don't know. Probably good, unfortunately. Right. I mean, so – Brian Thornton. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm. That's who's making the. That's who's making the decisions. I wish everyone could kidding see the, me. I wish everyone could see the visual of Chad wearing his V-neck white tee. His hair looks like it's been in a knit hat all day. I don't know how many times he's been out shoveling, but I just I want everyone to see Dad in all of his glory right now. <laughs> I've been messing with – no, my hair was actually, like, really pressed down and flat. So I've been kind of, like, airing it out, fluffing it up a little bit as we've gone through the podcast, getting it, you know. It'll I think be it's a good was, look. Jordan was one and one. I took one a and picture. one against the Bearcats. I took a picture. It's going to be on my Twitter for anybody who needs to follow, at ACSmith37. I mean, that's a good – I like, if you're going to take a picture, I would take that one. That's a pretty good look. It's pretty much the one I got. You're good. Okay. I think it's a pretty good look. I'll tag you in it. Brian Thornton. <laughs> Thornton scored three points and grabbed one rebound in the loss to the Bearcats his junior year. His senior year responded with 20 points and 12 rebounds and said, I am going to continue this in my life. Just wait for it. 15 years down the line, I will show you guys I am a proud Xavier alum. And I guess that's what we're getting. I guess that is truly what we're getting right now. Which then begs the question, I mean, I'm just going to bring one of these or a bulk of these BBP mailbag questions up right now. And because it it involves what's going to happen this week, you know, first question is, is there a possibility for a UC North Carolina matchup? I say, oh, they would love it, but I don't think that'll happen. I think that UNC's kind of got their pick of the litter there. And They uh, they, they scheduled Northeastern, by the way. Did they? Already figured it out. Wow. Well, here's my thought on that. Why I didn't think it would happen is because a loss to the Bearcats would hurt hurt them pretty pretty strongly. They scheduled Northeastern, not Northwestern. They're not going to lose the Northeastern. At least. (laughs) At least I don't think. The eternal optimist strikes again. I mean, come on. They weren't going to lose to Cincinnati either. Northeastern's what? 164 on Ken Palm, nine and seven. Sure. They would have given them a game. Oh, they lost by 18 to Georgia. So I guess kind of comparable to the Bearcats. (laughs) But anyway, I, I never saw that as a chance. Never did. So Aaron, (laughs) the next question involving this. If they were to play this week, 
Would you rather it be against a, a top level team, a bubble team, or just anybody at all? What's your what's your take on on a game this week? If it was Banana Land and you could just have your wish, which one are you taking? At this point, right now, the what I would if if it was you know a dream scenario and I get to pick what it's going to be, I'd I'd like a measuring stick game. I'd like to see you know a a team that's worth a damn while we're on a four game streak here while the players have confidence while vote is playing the his best ball all all year while DeJulius is playing his best ball all year and the rest and everybody else is doing you know finding their roles and filling the the holes and you know I I would just like to see a measuring stick game to see somebody who maybe they're ranked maybe they're at least top 50 Ken Palm um and you know just to have an idea as to where this team stacks up yeah I I'll take any team Anything, even if it is Our Lady of the Lake, I want a confidence booster. And if if that is if that is a team that's going to give you a battle, then then get a battle, gain experience, and continue to get better, which is which is what they've been doing. Truthfully, I'd like to see like you know that Xavier, that Tennessee game, or even that Georgia game again. <laughs> yes, hindsight twenty twenty. But here's the thing. So, so that measuring stick game is on Sunday, and uh, the uh, sunshine and, and rainbows kind of starts to, you know, hopefully uh, lucky charms type situation on Sunday. But you know, it's going to be a tough game, obviously, on the road at Houston. That's why another game in the middle of the week would have been just nice to just continue to raise that that boost of confidence going into a game that. You know, you've got probably ten less than ten percent chance to pull out a victory there. But hey, crazier things have happened. But either way, uh, you know, it it will be interesting to see if a game does happen. I, I I know here in Indianapolis we're getting hit pretty hard by snow. I heard you you guys went from like nine inches to like two inches or something like that. So not even that. You know, I think if, we're we're gonna be lucky to get like an inch, inch and a half. Okay, so the Mother There's Nature some- side of things is kind of deteriorating so so many that's what she said jokes in there oh i know yeah i i kind of laid up a softball for one of you guys to hit out of the park so. <laughs> <laughs> um no so i i don't know i don't think it looks likely for a game just be nice to your meteorologists on on social media for god's sake are are people giving them a hard time um channel nine yes yes i mean we'll, we'll just say yes they predicted 12 inches and we got one. You're going to get a hard time. Was it just because it was all sleet? Yeah, it was all sleet. Okay. Okay. Well. Which didn't I, make I sense. It was, aspect... it was 20 degrees, man. Didn't yeah. make sense. The upper air temperature never dropped. So the lower air temperature was low. But the upper air temperature smoked some weed, so it was high. Ooh, and okay. then we got the, we got sleet. Yeah, Bleeble, yeah. blabble, blobble. <laughs> you guys, you guys obviously went to school for the wrong things. That was that was pretty good. Oh, I could have been a meteorologist for I sure. I could have been a professional failure. It would have been for fantastic. real, for real. I had a I had a buddy that used to to do weather for Channel 19, and uh, he got a job in Phoenix, and I was like, "That's the today, hundred and three, sunny. Tomorrow, hundred and four, sunny." Wednesday, hundred cold front moves through. Ninety-seven, sunny. Humidity four. 
Right. <laughs> like you pick, you, that's the easiest. Why do they even have weather people in like Phoenix? Right. 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 That would have been huh. awesome. I never would have left. I'd have been the, the weatherman there for the rest of my life. It's, it's the training. The chance of rain today is zero. Zero. <laughs> Again, tomorrow, tomorrow, zero. Zero. There's like eight days a year where you're like, there's a 40% chance of rain today. Rain might happen today, folks, but don't don't get at <laughs> me if it doesn't, because it's great when it doesn't. But yeah, I mean outstanding. I don't think the the weather part of it, I know that that was an issue. John mentioned it in his post-game press conference a bit. I don't think that'll have any effect on it anymore, um, unless some crazy pop-up storm happens. So I don't know. I just don't see any way because there's no AAC opponents available. I mean, the only other one was Temple this week, and that would have been a stretch as well. And they're done that. And obviously can't play them three times. So I I don't know. It's thank you, Wichita State and Houston, pretty much, is the way I look at it. And at a conference, I don't know. See what happens. Usually that comes thank down you, to – Thank you, Brian Thornton. Right. Usually, yeah. So it might just come down to, to coaching, you know, who John has in with his, you know, in his text group to figure out, hey, you guys got this open slot. Let's figure something out. Or if not, but I guess, Chad, they got to get AAC approval, even though with that as well. So, yeah. So quick question for you while we're still talking about basketball before we move on to like viewer questions and all of that um, or listener questions. Um, yeah, yeah. Viewer. But uh, we could put up the video. Why? Why do you think Mikey Saunders is starting right now? Defense. Is it, is it rotations, rotational purposes? I think they like the spark he gives them out top defensively, like from the from the jump of a game, ball pressure. So then, why don't we see any more really of Mikey Saunders the rest of the game? Because he can't score right now. Okay. Yeah. I think also, like John mentioned is uh and and he said he probably does it a little bit too much is he wants to get everyone involved and i mean just just so that they're they're there and available if if they're needed in situations later in the game so if you get mikey locked in from the get-go you get you know different chances to get different players in i i think we saw against uh, you know who was it temple when we got down big in the beginning i mean those first couple sequences in a game is, is you're, you're going to be able to bounce back from that. You know, basketball is a game of run. So I think, yeah, you trying to see if he's on, I mean, you see a lot of teams do it with big men where yeah. if they, if they come out and they kind of are showing, Hey, wow, they're super aggressive tonight. They're, they're making plays defensively. Let's ride them a little bit longer, but if they come out, they've got two fouls and two turnovers. Well, that four minutes that you just played, that's all you're going to play the whole game. So. Um, I, I feel like we've seen a lot of that with with Tari to put a put an actual example to it with Tari as of late. Like he's been in foul trouble. He's been putting up numbers while he's out there, but he can't seem to stay out of foul trouble because he's yeah. playing the five and he's just not a five. Yeah, teams are teams have figured out with him at the five, go after him. And that, that's not his natural guarding position. That's not what he's what he's ever been. Right, yeah, big guys are used to guarding big guys. Right. And that's not really what he's done. Tari was the primary ball handler last year. Yeah. <laughs> On a state championship <laughs> basketball team. In, a- in high-level basketball. So, 
And, Don't get me wrong. And, in, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to say that I'm disappointed oh, no. in what I've seen of Tari this year. That's right. not the case at all. Oh. He, he's a true freshman, you know, actually doing things while he's out there. He's yeah. always a threat to rebound the ball or put up points, but he's, you know, he turns the ball over an awful lot and he's had some fouls. And, and Tari, through it all, he is probably the most important player for the, the early, the early beginning parts of, of this tenure for John Brandon. I, there's no stressing how the upside and the potential of that guy. He is, he is the most important player to continue to take the right steps because he's going to be needed heavily, heavily within the next couple of years. And I mean, I think everyone sees glimpses, obviously Mm -hmm. Uh, he's, he is a freak athletically. He's, he has the ability to knock down outside shots. Just, just give it time. He is, he is so important to the system building that uh, John Brand is doing here at Cincinnati. So, yeah, put put in a weird situation, obviously, because of, you know, a player going professional early and uh, other stipulations. So having to just play roles and, and figure it out. And through it all, they've won four games in a row, a chance to pull out a fifth in a row, which would be a, a modern miracle somewhat. And uh, at Houston on Sunday, unless something crazy happens, they get a game earlier in the week. I'm not ruling anything out. It's been a wild year already. So if somebody else has to cancel a game or something, don't be surprised to see since I slide in there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Leave your, uh, leave your Twitters on, go ahead and uh, pray to the AAC gods that uh, something slides our way. Cause I know everyone wants a game midweek and, and it would be great for the team to get that as well. So uh, Aaron, what do you say? We dive into the BBP mailbag. Let's do it. All right. Let's start with uh, let's start with Killer V. We'll, we'll continue with the basketball trend. I like this question. If Houston opts out of the AAC tourney, can this improving Bearcat team win it? Let's see how much of an internal optimist you have become, Aaron Smith. I am not expecting Cincinnati to win a, a tournament. I'll, I'll be the first to say it. Okay. That said, if they do win, I don't think I'd be shocked. Right. They have they have talent. I just don't know that they're going to be able to put it all together, especially when the season's on the line, when the tournament's on the line, when we've only just figured out how to start closing out games just now. Okay. Okay. I hear that. Well, then I ask it. I'm going to ask you another question. Who is the second best team in the AAC right now? I still don't know that UCF, especially when it comes down to tournament time, isn't that team. I still don't know that, you know, USF is is maybe they're better. Um, and that's not even mentioning Memphis or Wichita State. The correct answer is probably Wichita State, SMU, or Memphis. Did the Bearcats beat SMU earlier this year? Yeah. Yeah. I you know, were they right there with Wichita State with 10 minutes to go in the game? I mean, 10 minutes is an awful lot of game. That's a that's a quarter of the game, man. I, I, still, I, <laughs> were, were were they right there though? I, I mean, you can, I don't know that I like that step, but I'm saying three yeah. quarters of a game and then to lose it on the, the last quarter of a game, that's still a lot I, of game. I, I mean, and then you, you look even at South Florida, have them beat, uh, you know, it's my, my point of view on it is Houston is leaps and bounds better than every team. Yeah. And, and there's no doubting that you take them out of the equation. I think it's a crapshoot. I really do. And that's I think what, that, and, and I said, and to my defense, right. I said, I wouldn't be surprised. But right. I, w- I wouldn't be throwing money on them. Yeah. Either. 
unless the odds were really, really good and where I'm making like a hundred bucks on 20 bucks. Oh, they were very, very good earlier. (laughs) Very, very good. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think like you said, yes. Wouldn't be shocked if it happened. Would they be the favorite? No. Would they, would they kind of be, if, if they continue to close out the year strong, you know, say they go, you know, four and two down the stretch with losses to like Houston and Memphis or Houston and SMU and they pull off a victory at Memphis, you know, it, I, I just think that they are comparable to every other team in the conference, not named Houston. So comparable, comparable. Yeah. So it'll be interesting down the stretch. Um, next question. What player? Uh, I, yeah, let's, let's, let's roll into this. Football question coming at you. No, let's stay with basketball. How do you balance the wing minutes between Keith Williams, Micah Adams-Woods, Mason Madsen, Zach Harvey, Aaron? You play the hot hand, and you should always play the hot hand. There you go. Good answer. You start who you start, and you run. And like, and I think that, honestly, John would probably tell you the same thing. John Brandon. He, he would probably tell you he overthinks. And I think that you saw him saying that while not saying those exact words in his presser after the game where he said, I probably ran some bad rotations out there because okay. you probably did. Don't overthink. Don't look at the, the body of work. You play the hot hand. So if Zach's not having a great game, you know, he is coming back from COVID. Uh, we don't know if he had COVID or if he was just contact tracing, but regardless, he's just coming back. He's only on his second game back. You play the hot hand, continue to run out, you know, Davenport continue to run out, especially in this last game, Mike Adams woods continue to run out uh, Keith Williams, uh, as long as he's staying out of foul trouble. Um, You know, you just, you play the hot hand. Yeah. yeah, Which, which, as you mentioned, that's what John said. And and I completely agree Play the hot hand. Obviously you want Keith to, to continue to, to make the senior winning plays. He's going to see all of it. And Mike is out there. Great free throw shooter. Mason's showing that as well. Zach, when he's when Zach's on, he could be the best player on the team. So, yes, definitely throw it up. I think Davenport is officially a four, um, maybe a three later in his career, but this this year, no doubt a four. And DDJ, of course, he's going to be playing that point guard in presser situations. Mikey there here and there. So, um, yes, I agree with you on that completely. So, uh, are we playing better or playing inferior competition? So I think that question is kind of, are we playing down to the level of competition? And this year, we're not playing down to anybody. We're playing up to everybody because we've been the underdog. Like, it was real ugly there for quite a while. I think this is maybe one of the worst stretches of basketball that this team's experienced in probably a decade. Um, But we're on the flip side of that coin now, as we've had four in a row and we're putting Mm -hmm. things together and we're starting to see the 94 feet that John had talked about earlier this season being the identity of this team. So I don't think that we're playing inferior competition per se, um, because I think everybody right now, as far as, you know, to your earlier point, there's Houston and then there's everybody else. We're part of everybody else. And I think right now we're actually putting it together but we're not playing inferior competition yeah, in my I, eyes. Right. I agree with you to a sense, but I think it's both. I think they're getting better. And they luckily came out of the long break to face the worst teams in the conference. And there's, there's no denying that. 
And so when you kind of get that gift, not really a gift, but just the way that the, the cookie crumbled, you know, and you're able to kind of take what you have been able to learn and, and really gather and, and come out with this new, you know, they, as John mentioned, and I love John saying this, how he thinks that the, you know, the, the, the process will end up in wins down the stretch, but right now they're more mission focused and result driven. So it's more about winning games now and figuring it out. And when you're playing those lower competitions, they still have high level players, the Bearcats do. So I think they're getting better and a bit of a, uh, a bit of a positive to come out of that long break against the, uh, the teams that they've been able to face. So a little yep. bit of both there for me. I, I want one last comment in saying that I think if this last four game stretch we played earlier in the season, I think we drop every one of those games. Really? Wow. Okay. Fair enough. For, for a while, it was we, we were making losing plays down the stretch mm-hmm. instead of winning plays. Just Fair saying. Enough. Next, uh, the, the final basketball question. Um, uh, well, no, Chad, Chad already answered that one. The uh, update on Vic, which is Same you don't news. see him dressed at the games. So, I mean, just definitely rehabbing still. But who will UC's next basketball commit be? That is the uh, question that everyone in the world you know what? If you answer that correctly right now, <laughs> I am I am strapping you in my suitcase. We're going to Vegas immediately, even if it's not as packed as it is normally. And you're going to win me some money because you you know something that a lot of people don't. What you got, Dad? That's that. Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, the, I mean, the, the thing is, there. I I wouldn't be surprised if there is a you know a high school commit that that pops into that that class late. But the the uh, the more likely scenario is transfers, yeah. And those names have probably not hit the transfer portal yet. So, right. how could I predict someone to transfer to Cincinnati if they haven't transferred from their own school yet? So that that makes right. it very difficult. Transfer big would be my guess, and as you mentioned, well, there's none out there. And I know this is another question that we have, or I think I saw it somewhere, but people ask you know, who's going to be our center next year. Um, I still don't know that you can rule out Chris Vogt coming back. You can't. And I think, you know, between Vogt and, and Mamadou and Lakin, we might have, Lockin. Th- is it Lockin? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that we, uh, maybe, maybe we're locked in. Lock Just, it saying. In! Just I saying. Like it. I like it. I think, yes, I, and if you're able to get a transfer big that is to the to the level to go out there and start immediately and have a good contribution, I think that team's next year is looking to be a, a pretty doggone good team. So, um, yeah, complete unknown there. The the other half of that question, though, I like it, is transitioning into the football side. Good job there, Aaron. Segway. You didn't even know it. I'm here for Fantastic. it. <laughs> and uh, so it is. Any new teams to find on the field on the offensive line? I don't think so. I think we've kind of already mentioned them. John Williams and, you know, of course, uh, Tunstall from from Stony Brook. So I think we've kind of touched on those. I don't know if I, – I mean, I think there's some question marks where we're not going to really know until we get to camp higher ground. Right. But until then, I mean, everything's going to be just hypotheticals and, you know, what ifs. But uh, we we just don't know until we see the guys get on the field. Plus, not to mention, I mean, higher ground is what? Not until 
August? August. Yeah. So we're, we are a full half year away from, you know, these guys doing whatever they're going to do between now and then in the weight room. There's a lot of development just in your body, you know, that some of these younger guys, especially are going to have between now and then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that could happen, it, whether it be injury, uh, you know, fingers crossed, that's not a thing, but uh, just the, and also the, uh, the amount of weight that these guys could put on between now and then. If, if this was, a year ago, two years ago, I, I would say Mal Glenn. Right, right. Because that that dude's a grown man already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. G A M, grown ass man. Uh, but Hulk. but right now they're pretty damn well set at guard. I mean, yeah. You got Vinny, unless there's a, a you know a change where they they think they want to try Vinny back out of tackle again. Oh, yeah. But I think he's settled in at at right guard. You've got O'Quinn and Cooper. You've got Woodside. You've got uh, Marcelo Mendiola. Yep. You know, you, you've got a lot of guys that that want to get on the field at that guard spot, and you know, guys that have multiple years in the system. Now, Mal Glenn is here. He's enrolled, so he's going to get spring ball. So, you know, if there's a, a surprise name, that would be it. I'm really interested to see what tackle looks like on the two deep outside yeah. of Mets. Because, you know, you know John Williams is going to be there. You know Tunstall is going to be there. You know Mets is going to be there. Who else joins them kind of at the top of the roster at tackle? I, you know, Collinsworth is a great talent. I think he's you know, probably a year away. I, I think he could be a guy. Gavin Gerhardt. Things, I mean, Gerhard, I, Gerhard's probably an inside guy. You think? I, I don't know that he has the length. I mean, right. he's a guy that you could probably use outside. Yeah. But I, but I don't know that he has the length that they're the length and the foot speed that they're ideally looking for at tackle. Kobe so, McAllister. Kobe is another one. Um, probably a tackle. We'll see on, on his development, you know, where he's at, uh, where he's projecting as we get into camp. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's that tackle. I mean, I, I'm pretty confident it's probably going to be Williams and Tunstall as the ones. Right. As long as Tunstall holds up, you right. know, because that's, that ain't going to be an easy gig no. against this defensive line. Like, yeah. Uh, hey, welcome back to high level football. Here's my J. Sanders. That's my J. Sanders. <laughs> yeah, good, so good Jack, luck, kinda, kid. Good luck. Got <laughs> a question I got in my head. So, um, for both of them, Jake, Jake, Jake Renfro obviously came in and is he is a, a great, great player at center. Jakari Robinson putting in work. We've seen him be a dude of the week. We've seen him, you know, a couple times. Brady Collins talk about him. Is there, I, I mean, Jakari, is there any chance that we see Jakari tried out at a guard? Or, I mean, is that. Plays a hot of, hand. I mean, maybe, but like I said, guard is already really crowded. Like. Yeah, if you skip that Vinny outside. Maybe. But still, yeah. I mean. But there would still so. be dudes that are bigger and yeah. more built to play guard. Like Jakari's. Six foot. Six foot. Yeah, like right. that's not that's you know 
there's not a whole lot of, of dudes that can that can do that at the size that he is. Right. As he continues to move farther away from snapping the football. So, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, well, and as we saw how valuable I, it is having a backup center available. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. He, he performed pretty pretty doggone well against Georgia, which yeah. is asking a lot going up against the hog mollies that were up on that front line for them. That's so. a fantastic word. I'm super proud of you. <laughs> hey, I dug into the mailbag for that one. <laughs> Uh, I just so, we know the young names. It is time for some of them to turn, you know, development into production. Right. But that's what spring football is for. I mean, you yeah. know, a lot of these questions we're not going to know. You don't know how somebody's going to look until the, you know, you, you get some some reps. Yeah. That are essentially live reps. John you know, Williams is is a case in point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say center. You know, we we had no idea we had question marks at center with Jakari. We did until, until Jakari went down, and then all of a sudden, right. that you know, that's a whole different conversation. So there were there were a lot of people that looked at Jake Renfro and said, "This kid could start the day he walks in," and hey, that's why hey, I man, tried he, to. He put in I work. tried to. I tried to ask that in the signing day press conference, and oh, Luke, tried to, <laughs> Luke tried to. Luke tried to. Luke tried to clown me. I'm gonna send him that video. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him that video. Actually, is what I'm gonna do and be like, remember this? Remember when I tried to talk about how good Jake Renfro was as a center prospect? Go ahead. To to Luke's defense, Jake did play all over the front line. But if you are that talented, whichever hole you you're needed at the most at the high school level, you're gonna be put there. I mean, you could. You can hide someone at center for the most part if you truly think about it. But he yeah. was a center. But he was a center. He was. Yes, he was a center. One hundred percent. Now, didn't you get stiff armed on talking about center here a couple weeks ago with Luke? Also, no, that was people bringing that video back up. Okay. When when Jake was named uh, freshman All American. Yeah, some people brought that video back up and said it was one of their favorite Chad Brendel Luke Fickle exchanges. Because I, I, Luke didn't want me speaking out of turn. <laughs> you're, revealing you our, you're revealing our hand, Chad. You know. Right. No, you would never. So the best part is at the end of the video, he's like, Crook, he's not a center, is he? And Crook is like, we certainly hope he is. It looks like <laughs> you need to stop talking to Chad. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great Brendel Fickle press conference moment there are many of those because he really enjoys giving me a hard time now you refer to him as dad right no no more dude we're like three years apart i mean i just didn't know i thought maybe he was grandpa to me so i was like it's like uncle luke i was kind of getting uncle (laughs) he's he's your great uncle that's fine luke is the coolest guy out there gosh can we talk about that TikTok that that the basketball? I mean the the football Twitter page put out. That was poor, hilarious. Poor Pat Lambert. Man, <laughs> did he he shit his pants right? Like he had to yeah. go home oh, and yeah. change oh, yeah. his drawers. Yeah, he did. He actually yeah. shit his pants. Yeah, but but the bad thing is he went to the meeting room with with crap in his pants. Of course he did. Of yeah. course he did. My my favorite here here's my favorite of the whole thing, and this was mentioned on the board as well. Is all Luke said to Amy was. Can I call you back? And she's like, why are you being so mean? 
Yeah. As if, <laughs> as if, can I call you back is the meanest thing that Luke Fickle says to Amy Fickle. <laughs> that was outstanding. The whole thing, top to bottom, Amy. the whole thing. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Trey, was Trey Tucker just waking up. Yeah. Jared, Jared Dokes apparently missing the call entirely <laughs> and tweeting about it later. Well, he's probably oh, at a workout. Well, I mean, that goes without being said, but it's yeah. still just fantastic. Hudson being like, nah, man. Nah, 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 <laughs> yeah, nah, nah, nah I've nah, seen nah, this. Nah, nah. Mike Warren. Our boy Brady was great. Yeah. Mike Warren be like, coach. Yeah. What are Cort- we doing? Cortez Broughton in his, yeah. in his Chargers gear. Just, yeah. What's up, coach? <laughs> what you got? <laughs> which, which is awesome. Awesome yeah. to think about. Luke has built a relationship with Cortez. And in Copeland, after only being with them for one year, I that just shows the team you. Stunk. Yes, the team was terrible, but you see how close those guys are. Only one yep. season with Coach Pickle. I, that's awesome. Awesome. It was really good. It was really really good. Oh, but like that it. was that was that was about as perfect, uh, like a fit for Luke to to do that. But because of the way everybody respects him, where they're like, yeah, yeah, you can call me back. It's fine. Am I the only it's one cool. that wanted more? Like I wanted more. Like yeah. four four and a half minutes was not yeah. enough. Yeah. Give me more. It was really good. Well, and, and another cool thing is obviously some coaches approach their team different ways, but you can tell that Luke goes in, gives his phone number to every player. Yeah. And that, they all just know, hey, oh, the coach is calling. It's like no biggie when he calls. You know, it's just like coach is calling. And they just love him. Like, I mean, you know, going back to your point about the, the NFL guys, like they just love him. Yeah. Still, still. It's awesome. It, we are very lucky. Let's put it that way. What would have been, what would have been great would have been Urban. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, can I can call you back. <laughs> Urban Not or Vrabel. Right. Vrabel would have been hilarious. I don't know that I don't know that Urban wouldn't have been mad with everything that he's got going on down in Yeah, probably bad timing. Probably, yeah, probably go with Vrabel on that phone call. Or or Trestle. See how that goes. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, final question out of the bag. I, I like this one, and my answer will be kind of funny, hopefully. Uh, DMOC55 said, if you were the AD slash president, what would you do to get us to a Power 5 conference? So my – I'm going to ask, are we allowed to go David after dark – with this pod right now? Cause I mean, to get into a power five conference, man, I, I, I don't know if there's <laughs> as many restrictions. <laughs> how do I bring Santa? Easy Ono? tiger. <laughs> how do I bring Santa Ono back? Because this dude is up in Canada, still tweeting about games after games, still just on the Bearcat train. You know, that's no knock on necessarily the administration that's here, but to have Santa Ono back in some way, shape, or form right. in the administration and back up to bat for these Cincinnati Bearcats. He's running like a top 100 university in the entire world. Look, I get it. I'm just saying that's how I would go about it. What do I have to do to bring Santa Ono back? Yeah. That's, that's what the question was. That's my answer. You know, I think I think Cunningham put it out pretty simply. He said, you know, I, you know, Luke Fickle contract extension was number one. Had to get that done. 
right after he was hired. But I think always in the background, number one is always doing what it takes to get to a power five conference. So I, I think they're doing the right things. I think they've got the mentality to get to that next level. And, and it is through football. It's through just, you know, putting out a product that is I, this, this past year was huge. And hopefully with you know, more renovations down the line, if hopefully that comes and, and different things of that sort, maybe then they can get the, the ducks in order to put out that resume that is, is willing to, to be thrusted into the power five conference. So, you know, I don't know. And, and so what schools would they, that are power five shouldn't be Aaron. Well, before we even get to that, I did want to point out, I got a notification from Yahoo sports roughly an hour ago. At least that's what it says on my phone. It says, can Gus malls on boost UCF into the power five. And somebody wrote an article about it, about a team that to be, in my opinion, in both football and basketball at this point is below us. Yeah. So, I mean, why is this? Yeah, but it's, it's newsy. That that's why, because well, it, I, they're hiring. I understand. Stuff, so. My point is though, if, if we're talking about them being boosted into the power five, I'm not sure that Cincinnati doesn't already have that resume. I'm not sure that, you know, when it comes down okay, to but that, they weren't writing about Cincinnati. They were writing about the new coach at UCF. I'm, I'm just saying UCF just is saying. also a massive school. They've got, a, yeah, they've got like 60,000, a monster students. enrollment. It's, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's not, not a knock on UCF. Yeah. I'm, right I'm just here. wondering who is the next wave because it's not just going to be one team that makes it into the power five. Right. It's going to be a, a several team thing again, I would think. Maybe. But I would, I would think that it's going to be, you know, Cincinnati, Houston, Memphis, UCF that's being considered out of our conference. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just wondering, you know, to kind of counter that question is what are we doing to separate ourselves from the other three teams? Top 10 football team. Just got to, got to get the, uh, the other things in in order that is uh, representative of a top 10 football program. Um, What we have to do to get an article like that is get a new football coach. And I don't want to do that. No, I don't. We're not going to get one. So like just understand my point being just understand yeah. like the perspective of the article and it wasn't enough. No, that, no, it wasn't. no, 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 Understand. I'm just explaining like the, this is why we're here type type conversation. Why we're here is because UCF's hiring a new coach. So right. uh, people are going to talk about like what that coach can accomplish where uh, I'd rather not have those conversations. Well, and the same articles were being written about us, maybe, uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, nobody was writing that when maybe the, they, they the may... senator from Alabama <laughs> left. Oh, they man. may they may have written those articles though after Fickle turned the program around after one year. Yeah. Yeah. Is so is, I mean, so Gus Malzahn, interesting hire, obviously. Did you guys see that one question that was asked at the press conference? I didn't see anything from the press conference. It was, it said, Coach Malzahn, I, I know that you were the head coach at Auburn for a while, but do you understand, and, and, and you had to deal with, you know, fan bases, crazy fan bases, but are you understanding 
what you're walking into here at Central Florida with this fan base. <laughs> I mean, yes, I think he I, I think he the, the expectation for him every year was to beat fucking Alabama. Alabama. I know. I was like, that's that is the worst. Like, what is this question? Come Sorry, on, Dan. And he, did, <laughs> and he did, and he still got fired. You you can't ask that question. <laughs> you cannot ask that question to a, a coach of Gus Malzahn's level. I like I, well, I don't know. It should be very it, it should be very interesting to see what happens with Dylan Gabriel after he removed anything to do with UCF from both Twitter and Instagram today. Yeah, <laughs> it's usually pretty clear what happens when yeah, somebody do, does that, isn't it? The only two people he's following on Twitter are Ole Miss coaches. Okay, Hotty Toddy, good God Almighty! Hotty Toddy, great, uh, great tailgating spot. Just saying, very the, interesting. The, the Grove, yeah, the the Grove can can get after it. Bars close at like ten p.m. though. Kind of strange. At Ole Miss, yeah. It's not BYU. It's Ole Miss, right? It is Ole Miss. Something about I mean, that Southern. The know. Deep South has some, you know. Weird bar rules, but it's okay with family stuff. Yeah, I should. <laughs> and then, I of course. You. God, I hate you. Gotta, gotta ask this question. Could we do the Crosstown support for our community rivalry every year? Chad, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think it's something we could, we could definitely, uh, explore. Had to be altered a bit, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is unprecedented times. I, one of the things I think that's going to be difficult is once we get out of this, like that's not going to really be a thing. Restaurants right. are going to be open. People are going to be able find to a different tip. avenue. Type yeah. Thing. There would have, you know, you'd have to, to mix up different way, find different, like, you know, avenues to support. Right. Um, of course, I had people all butthurt because I made a joke that like, does UNC and and Duke do this, or does Kentucky and Louisville do this? Um, so of course, I you know, well, that the student newspapers at Duke and UNC did a fundraiser one time. You know what the fundraiser was for? It was well, for the student newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you make a great point. If I get to keep this twenty thousand dollars. That's great. I don't. What happened? Shut with the, up. What happened with the mirror account? Dude, I don't know. Was that, that a was thing? Weird. Yeah, that was a thing. There was a did, mirror account. Did you have to like report it to Twitter? Yep. Yep. Reported it, blocked it. It got blacklisted. Wow. Yeah. Somebody showed up with their some somehow there was a mirror account that like when people would ask, like, how do we how do we donate? It would send out false information like a bot yeah i think it was yeah oh that's so how cool. many uh how many followers did they get it was it was an already established account oh geez so i oh, think geez. they just used it to like change the the at name change the profile picture so gross and then people try to like yeah do that stuff yeah. man. it's pretty probably wild Corey, probably Corey town carl or whatever that guy's name was <laughs> Jeez. I have a few ideas, but I'll keep quiet. There you go. I I stayed above the fray. There was a lot of people that talked a lot of shit. Yeah. In my mentions and whatnot and what have you. And I just I stayed out of it. Good. I you know, I 
I wanted this to be a genuine and wholesome ordeal. Were there were there more Norwood establishments that received money outside of just Dana Gardens or? Yeah, they um. So Norwood. I didn't keep up with the Xavier stuff. You can imagine. Dana Gardens. Dana Gardens shared some with Stone Lanes, and then they donated to a another uh, group that was was gathering money that was going to donate the money to Black-owned businesses in Norwood. So, yeah, they shared it around as well. Uh, we've got about eleven thousand five hundred dollars that we are going to uh, sometime this week uh, pop around downtown and clifton and make some people's days so stay tuned to my twitter yet again it just was another example of how the bearcat community and the most community can come together for a great <laughs> cause uh tip of the cap to you chad that was that was an awesome idea executed professionally executed fantastically and uh you know a lot of people just benefiting from it that truly deserve it and uh you know just not Awesome thing overall, just like the basketball team, four in a row. A chance for a big, big statement. The biggest good statement week. of the it's week. It's a good week. It is a good week. There's no doubt about that. Um, also, goodbye to uh, Coach Tenuta. Good for him going to uh, Virginia Tech to be on staff, where his son is currently an offensive lineman. I, I see that as a, a move to just, you know, be there. With, with those that truly matter at the very tail end of your career, Tunuta was obviously awesome to have here at Cincinnati. Just um, just one of the best sound bites that he had with the Wired Wednesday. Didn't give much out of him, but when you did, he always was gruffing and saying the, the best stuff out there. So, hey, you know, nuts. What was that? Hey, Nom Nuts. Hey. That was his nickname for Carter Jacobs. Okay. Sorry, hey, Nom Nuts. Solid nickname, but uh, anything else from you guys? I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get another game in before uh, before Saturday, but we'll see what unfolds this week. Would be awesome. Don't hold your breath. I get it. Would would be awesome. There's no doubt. But basketball teams looking up. If anything, they're playing hard. They're playing defense, and that is what we all know all too well for the Bearcats. But Aaron, if you're good, Chad, if you're good, let's go ahead and sign this one off. Go. Cool. All right. Well, hey, for Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Yet again, this was the BBP on BearcatJournal.com.